This is The Boys Podcast from TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about The Boys, Season 2, Episode 3, Over the Hill with the Swords of a Thousand Men. Huey's not gonna make it. And you need that kid. More than any one of us. He's your canary. What canary? You let your canary die? How you gonna know when you're gone too far? Welcome back, boys and girls. This is TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about the boys, season two, episode three, Over the Hill with the Swords of a Thousand Men. Hoorah, 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 hey. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Anywho, fellow boys and girls, we're on our third wind at the moment. I am one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out this trio of men, I am the man with a thousand swords in my pants. No, 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 because that would just be really weird. Yes, it would. It would be very I'm Chris, weird. Sorry, by the way. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> that is an image I did not want at the start of our third podcast. Well, exactly. I trying, okay, I was trying to think. Okay, it's over the hill with swords of a thousand men. So, yep. technically, it's somewhere between one thousand swords and two thousand swords. Yes. Because men could only hold, unless you've got like this, these men that can like have swords on their feet mm-hmm. or like kind of like pop claw, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe like, they only had something... two swords between a thousand men and they all shared could them. Be. Oh my God. So it could be between <laughs> two and 2,000. Maybe there's one guy like that's like just really over prepared and he's just like bundled with like a th- like he's got a thousand swords on his back mm-hmm. like a turtle shell a mm. uh, game of thrones yeah kind of thing yeah, maybe maybe yeah. soldered to his back or something like that yeah. <laughs> well it does bring us to a point that i forgot to mention in the last two episodes the first season of the boys every episode uh, was named after a title of a com of one of the uh, sections of the comic series one of the arcs of the comics uh, run for the boys uh, but they were also named after songs named after famous songs uh, this episode uh, is named after a, a song from the early 80s, late 70s, uh, a, a punk song by the band Tenpole Tudor. So uh, have a listen to the song. Um, if you're as old as I am, you will definitely recognize it. It played quite regularly on my radio station when I was a kid. So uh, that is where my hoorah, hoorah, hoorah a came from earlier on, just in case uh, anybody doesn't know the song and was wondering why the hell I said that. Uh, that's from the original song. So there you go. Go listen oh. to it. It's really good. Really good. Guys. Want to say a big uh, happy Labor Day to our American listeners? Uh, this weekend is a, a bank holiday over in uh, over in the US. Uh, where is the drought of entertainment that was predicted for the rest of the year earlier on this year? I know. My God, this weekend we had obviously all three episodes of The Boys came out. Uh, Mulan was released on uh, on Disney Plus. Uh, the Avengers game came out. Tony Hawk One and Two came out yesterday as well. Um, what else came out this weekend? So much entertainment that you just can't possibly fit it in, even with the one extra day you have as a bank holiday. Well, that's it. Yeah, Lovecraft Country as well. They released the the episode early for episode four. Yeah, yeah. We'll have our review of that up um, over the weekend as well. Yes, on Dreadful Podcast. It will also come out a little later on TV Podcast Industries. Mm -hmm. So, of course, uh, you are more than welcome, fellow boys and girls, to uh, tune in to our discussion of Lovecraft Country as well on HBO. No, it's just that this drought is going to come at some point. It is. 
I don't know if it's going to be a drought. I think what the the companies are doing now at this point is they already had everything set up for the year. Yeah. Like, into, and I think it's going into 2021. Early 2021, the kind of first half, first six months, mm-hmm. that's where things will start to be spaced out more and more. Yeah. Because poor, poor Pats, Bats, the poor Pats, Bats, the filming on the Batman has oh, sorry. been held. <laughs> it has shut down production again that's because right. uh, our Pats is... Uh, COVID positive, accord- according to Vanity Fair sources. Variety, yeah, uh, sorry, multiple, yeah. sorry, variety, yeah. multiple, uh, variety sources. Um, yeah. but Matt Reeves has gone back to filming. He's just filming all the bits that, uh, that Batman isn't in at the moment. So they have gone back to filming. Uh, it's just Robert Pattinson, unfortunately, is, uh, is down with COVID for a few weeks. But that's a good thing because remember, you know, it is Batman. So there are loads of scenes where he just walks out of the screen and everybody's left talking to themselves. <laughs> which, well, that, you know, if, if there's one stable that you can use, it's Batman does disappear from scenes instantly. So that is true. A bit of dialogue going on with Robert Pattinson. They'll turn the camera away and then. Uh, he's gone. So you see, the thing is, with all, with all this pandemic on the TV, I was kind of looking forward to that moment where TV studios, film studios, had to root around in the bottom uh, drawer of the filing cabinet for all those things that had actually been filmed and then had been canned because mm-hmm. it was so awful or something, and so that we were going to get all this great kind of dross B movies and, and B movies yeah. that <laughs> actually end up being great. Yeah. Do you guys remember back when we had Smallville? The just before that, they actually had a two-part pilot that never was aired, but was actually released um, for Aquaman. No, no, actually, no. Yeah, there was this one where it was like he he lived in islands near the kind of Barbados, things like that. It was kind of like, uh, yeah, it was one of. I, I'm expecting that we're gonna get all these really weird like two hour pilots that never went full to series to air, but mm-hmm. they got the pilot, and that these could be good. Like Fantastic Five will suddenly just turn up, and you'll be like, oh, I didn't even know they did that. Interesting. (laughs) You never know. You never know what could be available. But let's get into talking about our third episode of The Boys Season 2, which was released uh, yesterday. Uh, Episodes for The Boys come out every week now on, um, as they complete the rest of the series. Uh, They get released every Friday. Um, Weird release schedule on Amazon Prime. It seems to appear at about uh, about midnight uh, or 1am UK time, um, and seems to appear sometime in the early evening uh, over in the US. So uh, I don't really know what time it gets released, but we will be here with our coverage every week for the boys from now on. Yes, but make sure you don't miss it by going over to tvpodcastindustries.com and subscribing on every good or vote-affiliated podcast catcher. Mm -hmm. You can leave us a review because, you know, reviews help the world go round. Much (laughs) like the one and only Chai Mom 100? Chai Mom 100? I'm not quite sure, um, yep. but they had left us a review over on Apple Podcasts, and they had this to say, mystified by some TV shows, listen here, for fun and intelligent discussions. Derek, John, and Chris, hey, why am I last, will intelligently discuss your favorite TV shows and help you make sense of them. Yes, I said discuss, not recap. If you are looking for intelligent, interactive, and humorous discussions of different shows, look no further. They cover a variety of shows. Watchmen, The Boys, The Witcher, Star Trek Picard, The Umbrella Academy, Lovecast Country, and on and on. The guys also have fun contests that go along with the series. Three Irish guys, no profanity, and informative podcasting. What more could you want? Tune in to TV Podcast Industries. 
Thank you so much, Shimon 100. That was really appreciated. And yeah, love that review. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for, for the review. Uh, we did also read this out over on Lovecraft Country, but we wanted to make sure that Chris also got to hear your lovely review of our podcast. Um, and just to, just to repeat what Shimon said there, uh, three Irish guys, no profanity. So, uh, Damn it! <laughs> there is profanity. It's just edited out. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I will say, Chai Mom, I'm trying really, really hard to even even finding clips of the show to put at the start of our episodes that don't have profanity in them is proving almost impossible for both shows we're covering at the moment. Lovecraft Country also is very sweary. Yeah, <laughs> it is really tough for the boys yeah. to uh, cut out the profanity for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Chris, the only reason you were last in that list is because you're rounding out the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just assumed she was saving the best for last. No, no one does that anymore. Uh, no. Okay, no. That, that, that's an old saying. Before. Always have the best first. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yes, thank you for leaving a review. It really does help our podcast. If you would like to help keep the lights on, the podcast motors going, you can also head on over to patreon.com slash TV podcast industry and support us for a buck or more, a euro, a dollar, a penny, a pound. Please, sir, more. Just anything you have available. <laughs> much like Oliver, that's as much uh, shilling as we will do, but we really appreciate any support. It helped me get this fantastic mic so I sound even better. And the ASMR <laughs> podcast will be coming later. But over the course of the release of The Boys, episode one, season two, I did get contacted by Dr. Bob Phillips, one of our fellow boys and girls, who asked, oh God, will Chris be doing a rendition of the Translucent Man eulogy? Do you know what? I actually did the stunning rendition and it was just so good. We got almost got a copyright strike on yeah. the podcast, which is just impossible. It never unheard of. <laughs> it was that good. So unfortunately, I did do it. It will never air. I'm sorry. It's now on the dark web, um, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> and I think it's slowly uh, destroying and deconstructing the dark web as people listen to it. Then, um, yes, the dark web is being destroyed. It's much like the joke that kills in Monty Python. It's just that kind of joke that where anyone who listens to it, they die. It's just like that song. I'm pretty sure it's a horror film now. It's the premise. But anyway, enough of crazy ramblings. Let's jump on to The Boys, episode three, Over the Hill with Swords of a Thousand Men. Derek, do you want to tell us who gave us what? Yes, this episode was directed by Steve Boyum. Uh, he used to be a stuntman uh, in multiple movies. He did The Blues Brothers, Apocalypse Now, and Predator. Uh, wow, when, when he cool. was a stuntman. So he's been around for quite a long time doing stunts, but he has moved on to directing, uh, directing a bunch of TV shows for many, many years now. Um, but should really mention, he directed nine episodes of Supernatural. So that's obviously where he met showrunner Eric Kripke. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's really Sounds cool. Uh, stuntman turns uh, director. Yeah. I like that career path. Yeah. He must get the actors to really... Uh, push it on the stunts i was going to say that uh, if you guys have forgotten um over on amazon prime they have this feature called x-ray where you can see some some interesting tidbits about the episodes that you're watching uh for this episode for episode three they were saying that the director steve boyum was actually in the helicopter with the pilot uh during that scene where uh, where the helicopter is is facing off against the against the boat uh, because he wanted to give him some guidance of how to do the stunt of how to drive the helicopter and wanted to get the best shot out of him possible so he was actually in the helicopter i think that's cool that is pretty cool do you think he was on the boat when it rammed into lucy no no because we oh. saw everybody on that boat and i was actually driven by uh, by carl urban so that was not a stunt driver the whole the whole that whole scene was 
Billy Butcher actually driving the boat, and apparently all the cast were terrified because he was driving very, very fast. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds stuff. right. So, okay, it's go. on. That's like, that sounds right. There you go. Uh, but the episode was written by Craig Rosenberg. Um, he's written f- episode four and episode seven of season one of The Boys, and also wrote four episodes of Preacher as well. There you go, Chris. Yes, I remember talking about him. They're good episodes that he wrote on Preacher. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, John, do you want to tell us what? They gave us with your synopsis for episode three of season two of The Boys. Sure. Shiver me timbers, fellow boys and girls. The boys are on an ocean wave as they continue to keep a low profile from law enforcement and safeguard their super terrorist, Kamiko's brother, Kenji. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Daddy Homelander plays fun family with Becca and Ryan as he joins them for breakfast and teaches Ryan the art of flying gracefully. <laughs> At Vought, the fan has been hit with the release of Compound V and its real use to the media. Mm. To distract the baying press, the Seven have a whale of a time on the hunt for the boys and the supervillain. With the boys cornered in a storm drain by the Seven, Starlight is forced to make an impossible choice, while Stormfront reveals her true character, the evilest evil in all of evil. <laughs> nice one, John. Got to keep that going uh, for the Definitely. rest of the series, I think. <laughs> I, this still makes me laugh. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> evilest evil in all of evil. I like it. I like it. We're the podcastiest podcast in all of podcasts. Do you know, that's actually what I uh, wrote uh, for our, for our season two uh, synopsis when I, when I put it out. I had uh, it as, uh, as join the podcastiest podcasters <laughs> in all of podcasting. There you go. Uh, let's get into our big moments from the episode. As we've mentioned for the last two episodes we take our boys moment which is our protagonist moment the seven moment which is our antagonist moment and then any other outstanding moment from the episode that we want to talk about as well hopefully covering the whole episode chris do you want to kick us off with your boys moment sure um i i'm going to take a very small one just because mm-hmm. i thought it was absolutely brilliant but huey is having a whale of a time mm. yay puns ahoy yeah yeah it was um, there <laughs> there for the taking <laughs> yeah this just was fantastic. Like, they built this up so well. This just literally the scene inside Lucy, like, where he, he, he no longer has it in him to do anything else. But it's, I wasn't expecting it because we've seen so how the episode grows, the arc of the episode where you see kind of Huey is elated by the compound V revelation and Frenchie and MM are kind of like on his side and the, everything seems to be better. He has this touching conversation with Annie. Uh, he leaves a message for her. <laughs> yeah. um, and I have that just... written down as he has a touching conversation with Annie's voicemail. <laughs> yes, yeah. well, that's true. Which is very yeah. cute. It's, it's a little brokenhearted Huey, you know, that he broke up with the last season and all this season you've seen him sitting on his own watching this video of the Billy Joel song, you know, where... You know, when you have a broken heart, when you've broken up with your partner and there's one song that just seems to strike that note with you that keeps you kind of level enough. That's what seems to be going on with Huey at the start of this episode. He's watching this video over and over again. I'm going to get my second wind sometime. I will get my second wind. <laughs> I, I'm going to say something. I did not know that was a real video. Oh, really? I did not know that was a the real thing. <laughs> um, so I I just assumed because this guy when I started the episode and it was all looked like that and this guy just magically appears. I'm like, oh, this must be like one of the like early Vought superhero infused music videos. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a pun. No. Nope. Only later <laughs> did I find out because Billy Joel on Twitter tweeted about this. Yeah. That his songs are in it and his one of his videos. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm sorry, Billy Joel. 
the boss. I am sorry. No, no, that's Anywho. not Billy Joel. Billy Joel's not the boss. <laughs> it's Bruce oh. Springsteen. <laughs> oh, well, see, it shows you even worse. Because this goes back like, to a joke from the first episode of season one. This is the kind of joke about the fact that Huey's now in this really violent gang of the boys and the music that he likes is kind of standard 80s pop, basically. It's it's pretty pretty broad kind of strokes, whereas the guys are all into kind of punk music or rap music or rock music. He's into Billy Joel. <laughs> so ah, that's and the, the Spice joke. Girls. And the Spice Girls, yes. But that's Becca that's into the Spice Girls. Billy Butcher just likes them because she loves them, so... Yeah. Yes, that's true. There you go. Um, anywho, <laughs> right. I, I just, it was just this lead up where you just see it's, it's, an, actually, it's a great analogy for the first three episodes, right? I didn't know how they decided that it would kind of, they'd only release the first three and then move it on, mm-hmm. but it's a perfect escalating path for the first three episodes. Yeah. Where you, it is, you can see, you can see poor, we Huey, petite Huey, uh, <laughs> just like start to fray and fray and fray and fray. But then kind of he gets these little upticks. Yeah. And that kind of just gives him enough energy to keep going slightly yeah. on. And then just when they hit Lucy and you get that Ace Ventura when nature calls scene of Butcher crawling out <laughs> and then the rest of the world still inside. You just kind of, he's just there, no, I, I'm done. Uh-huh. And the what we opened the podcast, which is, yeah, Huey's role is the canary. He is the, when he breaks, that they, that, that is the canary in the coal mine. Like, that is, your, your team is nearly done mm-hmm. because yeah. you push them too hard. Yeah, it's the warning to Billy that he's gone as bad as the soups have if he ever yeah. pushes uh, pushes Huey to breaking point, then he's gone too yeah, far. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I loved Huey's resignation here. This this <laughs> idea of him suddenly, you know, in the carcass with the heart still beating. Uh-huh. Just <laughs> oh poor, poor Lucy's heart. You know, the the last few beats sort of that is is kind of the soundtrack to this resigned Huey. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know those well carcasses that then explode because they've all, all the internal gases. I was just thinking if Huey stayed in till that moment where he's kind of like just the 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 air pressure inside just and he explodes. Oh wow! Um, I I do not know those types of whale carcasses, John. No. <laughs> yeah, because they're kind of the internal gases, and then they kind of just split That's more open. If they were not pierced. That's by a true. Big thing and have a gaping hole in them. Yeah, true. that that is true. Sealed. That is true for sure. But yeah. um, I really liked that kind of resignation, and I really liked uh, just that moment with Mother's Milk, where you know he's basically told. Um, Billy to run and jump. He's staying here. And Mother's Milk goes back in. He says, well, if you're staying, I'm staying. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, ah, you got me. And he has to come out of the carcass and fight another day. Mm -hmm. I'm really liking that Mother's Milk is the person here who's really kind of latching on to Huey to kind of keep him going and bring him along as well. I think they're both helping as well. Like we do see Frenchie kind of going, you know, one foot in front of the other. Huey, (laughs) we need to move. You know, the seven are coming to kill them, basically. And Huey's having this crisis of conscience or crisis of, I can't go any further. And Frenchie's kind of like, okay, just one step at a time. We'll get there. You know, really good moments in here. Yeah. No, just for it's for me. I, I think it is. You touched on it, which is when Butcher has gone so far, Huey breaks. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting parts, and I'm going to pull in some of the comics, is that there's an element where Huey actually becomes as bad as Butcher, and I'm curious to see 
if they will actually try and break Huey similarly in this. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it's not till season three, but it, it, it's re- it's a really interesting thing because I don't know if I can see, and I, this is no slight, Jack Quaid mm-hmm. being as violent as Carl Urban or being as a kind of like crazy and kind of just kind of like I, I swearing and kind yeah. of just being that um, I, that much of a a-hole, yeah. if you will. Like, it's certainly the casting of Jack Wade in this role is the ner- nerdy dude who uh, occasionally has to do things that he doesn't want to do. Yeah. Like, season one, remember, he did blow up translucent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he's the one that killed the soup. You know, yeah. nobody else he, has killed he, the soup. And he's the counterpoint, so. you know? Yeah. The canary in the mine element is really good here. Mm-hmm. It's a good yeah. analogy uh, for, for Huey. I, I, I would really like to see him kind of go crazy, and I think you kind of maybe get hints of that in his relationship with Billy, like, you know, he, he punches Billy in this episode and Billy makes him mad. And it, I think it's that idea that maybe anger will push him over um, into that if they touch upon that, as you say, Chris. Yeah. 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 One final thing before we move on to the next uh, next point here. If you guys haven't seen the interview from the, uh, the socially distant San Diego Comic-Con where the entire team of the boys are interviewed about the series and they talk about the whale scene, it is hilarious seeing Eric Kripke talk about the fact that he went to production and said, can we build an actual <laughs> yeah. scale model of a whale on a beach, which they did. That's all That's all there on the side yeah. of the beach. And all of the team laughing about how much blood they got covered in for that three or four days worth of filming. It's hilarious. Watch it. I'm sure Aisha Tyler t- uh, talks about it on the after show that's up on Amazon Prime, yeah. and I'm sure probably just as good, but seeing the entire team uh, talking about it and laughing about the filming and the fact that production on Amazon Prime said it's okay to build this, whatever it was, 70-foot model of a, of a whale on a beach and ram it with a boat. Uh, yeah, hilarious. Really good stuff. Uh, one thing I'll quickly just also say is don't worry about watching the after shows and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or any of the, if any of you watch trailers or if you've done anything like that, because everything shown so far in any of the marketing materials is only up to episode three. Yeah. Yeah. John, what's your boy's protagonist moment? Well, in the same way that the world, I suppose, is now split between pre and post COVID, um, I suppose this is pre whale death mm. um now. And uh this is the 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 FU, uh the touching conversation uh between uh, Frenchie and Kenji uh, about his sister Kamiko. Mm-hmm. Um I think I've been calling Kenji Mouse in the last episode, but we saw from the subtitles his name is Kenji. I'd completely forgotten that if it'd been mentioned previously. Mm-hmm. Uh I but so. I really like this conversation. Um you know, Frenchie's trying to kind of help here. Uh he there's this idea you Kenji is you really need to let me go. Um, it, it feels like, um, you know, there's an earlier moment with Kamiko and him where, that you know, it's that awkwardness where Kamiko's basically saying, no, you're staying put, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you, you want to escape, leave, and go and do um, your, your terrorist thing <laughs> against America, but you really need to stay. Uh, and here with um, Frenchie, you, you get this... Um, Really interesting conversation about them having this private sign language between the two of them yeah. so that only they can uh, speak to one another and or communicate to one another. Uh, I like the fact that Frenchie was asking 
for Kenji to tell him this. Um, to teach him, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and to to teach him when that would kind of ruin their kind of personal little uh, language that they have going. Yeah. yeah. And, and also that with the death of their parents, that was when Kamiko ultimately uh, lost her ability to speak mm-hmm. uh, from the the shock and uh, of all of that. That's right. Yeah. So, he says that she never spoke again after his par- after her parents were murdered. Yeah. So I'm wondering, are we going to yeah. get a bit more of that story? And that she maybe yeah. witnessed it. But it, I, I really kind of like this. But it ultimately ends on a big F you by um, Kenji, who's like, no, I'm not telling you anything. Yeah. It seemed like he was getting drawn in with Frenchie. Frenchie's using um, Homelander's energy drink to, uh, as a way to, and food as a way to kind of get him to open up uh, and yeah. to release all these secrets. Um, Great joke in there about the energy drink. Yeah, well. <laughs> Why exactly. did you give him an energy drink? He's a superpower <laughs> individual. You've given him some energy to use his superpowers. Yeah, so I really like that. So can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. Of course you can. Thank you. I, I, I was going to anyway, but I appreciate the acknowledgement. So, is Frenchie's motivation uh, powered by brotherly, sisterly, kind of platonic friendship, mm. or a friendship element, or do you believe they might be trying to set up a more romantic element that he actually likes, likes, quotes, uh, yeah. See, I thought in season one that there was a, a romantic element between the two of them and it, and it had been built up and then it had just, it, the season ended and it hadn't gone there yeah. kind of thing. So I think it's still on the table that there could be a romantic relationship between the two of them. But we know Frenchie had a partner in season one. He, there was a girl that Cherie. he was, Cherie, that's it, uh, Mon Cherie, uh, that he was actually going out with and he sent yeah. her off to to, uh, to protect her effectively. Um She's in episode one. We see her in the background when he is um, in. They're in the Haitian Kings. I don't know if it was actually the same actress, but it was. They they were styled the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I would need to double check that, but definitely there is a female who looks like Monchery, um with him when he is kind of dealing his arms in the Haitian background right. while Hugh is walking through back in episode yeah. one. Um, right. Yeah. Right. So I'm just actually confused. But I suppose, unlike. A-Train, who is constantly talking about his kids, that he, his daughter he wants to get back to and talks about yeah. his wife all the way through the first season. And uh, with uh, Billy, we have his wife being really, really important to him and him wanting to get back to Becca and wanting to save her. We don't really have that with Frenchie and Sherry. He talks about her a little bit in season one, but she doesn't seem to be his primary partner that he's getting married to or yeah. there's a big relationship there so i don't think it'd be on the realms of the show for him and the female to uh to get together for kamiko and himself to form a relationship in the future but i think right now it's out of frustration he hasn't been able to understand a word that she's trying to translate to him even though they have got a little kind of vibe between the two of them that he kind of knows what's going on but remember earlier on the season she was trying to tell him about the brother and couldn't get that information across so yeah. at this moment he's going i have a key here there's someone here that could teach me a way that i could have a proper conversation with kamiko for the first time you know so whether it's whether it's a romantic relationship or not it's a key to actually getting to understand kamiko yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I, it feels more brotherly, sisterly at, okay. at, at the moment. Uh, not to say they wouldn't go any further, but it, it feels like he, yeah, it's just that he wants to understand her. He cares for her. Mm-hmm. He wants to protect her. Um, and I, I think, you know, he, he's trying to say that as well here in this moment to, um, to Kenji, just that he, 
likes his sister. He cares a lot about her yeah. and and wants to help her. And that doesn't kind it still doesn't connect in with Kenji, um, who gives uh, a big F you. I think for me, finally on this, I loved that scene where Kenji brings the drink can over from the side. You know, he's managed oh, yeah. to get a little pinky out through the gaffer tape and just pulls that over and dismantles it to to cut through the the stuff yeah. um, and ultimately leads to him escaping and that great scene on the boat uh, where <laughs> Billy Butcher shouting, grab his hands, uh, as uh, this anchor comes racing from the water and obviously what happens with the helicopter mm-hmm. um, at the, the hands of, of Kenji. Yeah. And I think certainly his hands become a little signifier for a bit later on as to what happens yeah. to them yeah. uh, as uh, they are so important to his, his superpower. But I, I really liked that moment. I also liked as well that the, with his escape and finding out that Frenchie had brought the energy drink, that they're all kind of like stupid Frenchie. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> him yeah. and energy drink. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But that's my, uh, that's, that's kind of my, my moment. I kind of mm-hmm. really like that. Cause yeah, I think still figuring out, you know, where Frenchie stands, uh, with, uh, Kamiko mm-hmm. and, and certainly it, it, it's going through, uh, that, that kind of arc at the moment, uh, yep. within the show. So we'll see how that develops. But yep. Derek, what's your, boys moment for this episode i think we've already touched on mine um it was just about uh, billy butcher saying sorry um to uh, huey at the beginning of the episode i love it because it, it shows the arrogance of billy it's like he walks out and goes um all right we've had problems before but i'm sorry is everything fine <laughs> and that's it like he thinks the fact that he's actually said the word to huey means that everything's sorted now uh, ends in a punch to the face from uh, from huey um yep. but i like the kind of antagonism between these two characters uh, even throughout the episode like huey's accomplished something massive here um with the help of starlight or starlight's yeah. accomplished something massive with the help of huey he tells billy and billy just kind of looks at him going what keep your head on straight we need to sort this out and get my wife back again as we said before Billy is leading this team to get what he wants, not leading this team to accomplish this massive goal that Huey, Mother's Milk, and Frenchie seem to want to accomplish. Um, so they all think they've accomplished something. Billy just kind of walks away and says, yeah, whatever. Uh, but we do get another moment with the two of them later on in the episode where Billy has kind of recanted and is praising Huey for the work that he's done as well. So um, so, uh, so that was all just that, just that point between those two characters uh, after the antagonism that we saw earlier on in the episodes where we're seeing a little bit... Uh, of the mending of that relationship towards the end anyway of the episode yeah i I love how kind of uh low-key billy butcher does this uh, in terms of the justification why he's saying sorry uh, that i was a little out of hand uh (laughs) back at at the van he's like you threatened to kill him (laughs) if if he gets in his way again it wasn't like you know you were going to withhold sort of pocket money from him or something yeah but it was just like it was just I loved that and and then obviously uh, Huey throws that punch and he's like he's gone stark raving uh-huh. <laughs> exactly exactly uh, that was it that's uh, that's my protagonist moment for the episode Chris takes on to our antagonist moment our seven moment from the episode yes um, so I'm, I'm just gonna t- I'm gonna take I'm gonna I'm gonna take the big one mm-hmm. sorry absolutely. Uh, we see, I originally called it the, the real Stormfront versus female. Um, but it's actually just more about the real Stormfront. Um, we're getting to see the, the, the woman behind the mask, if you will. 
Um, I'm using a lot of superhero analogies. <laughs> um, in the fight, um, uh, or the, the chase of, uh, Kimiko and Mouse, that's, or, uh, Kenji, as she, his real name, and Stormfront, mm-hmm. we see Stormfront killing everyone. Yeah. For first, she just throws them through the window. Uh, of this uh, African-American family, and uh, basically it's like a mother, a father, I think two kids, and I was like, oh, okay, like just collateral damage. And then the first instance, like the the, the father is shouting at Stormfront, and she just electrocutes him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh. And then as it continues, mm-hmm. like we just see this wanton destruction and death, Yeah, and Stormfront just like does not care about collateral damage. She is in it for the win and is just destroying innocent bystanders yeah. left right. Now, very quick one. Have a look. Everyone killed is a person of color. Yes, absolutely. Everyone killed is a person of color. And importantly, you mentioned about the father being killed with lightning as she arrives. And that might have been collateral damage to get him out of the way. But then she stops, turns around, and kills the rest of the family. You hear them all screaming for her to leave, and then they're silenced. Then she goes throughout the rest of this. It's a tenement building uh, that she's going through. She goes throughout the rest of the building, throwing people out windows and blowing up floors worth of people that are living uh, in this building. So um, it's, it's absolutely there on the screen for you to interpret that she's racist at that point. But it's the moment when she goes and kills Kenji, what she says to him, you know, oh, hang on a second, there's a different motivation in here with this character. It's not about getting to the end goal. It's about killing as many people of color as possible because she clearly thinks of them as absolutely different to herself and the rest of the people. And and it's also, she's sadist here. You know, I like to see the the eyes go out and yes. look at me, you know, this, this yeah. idea of she wants to see that life drain from him, that mm-hmm. so it, she takes pleasure in killing uh, other people of color. Exactly. Um, yeah. Which is the, the frightening thing here uh, in this for sure. And um, yeah. Yeah. Evil. So the one thing is I was expecting so as I already called out in episode one, when they kind of introduced, I did Christmas Corner, and I kind of gave you the history of Stormfront. Mm-hmm. I was kind of expecting them to maybe hold off a bit or to slowly tease that she was a racist and like that they, they just went full for it. And again, this is very much the boys. The boys yeah. So I was expecting it. I don't know. I don't know. I was expecting it, but I wasn't expecting it. That's that's contradictory. We have talked about this before, Chris. (laughs) Yes. Right now, I am Schrodinger's audience. I was expecting it and wasn't. (laughs) But you did ask the question earlier on in the episode here why they chose to put out three episodes, these first three episodes specifically on the first day. And the whole reason is because you get an entire arc of Stormfront here. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about her and and what happens in the episode with her, but there are genuine moments in these first three episodes where you're going, she's hilarious. She's fantastic. I love this character. This is hilarious. Oh, Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> she yeah, is an exactly. evil, she, evil Yeah, woman. she's got that dark side to yeah, it. Yeah, and it does, it does leave that question in your head at the end of this episode. My question is definitely, who's worse? Homelander, who hate, who thinks he's above every single person on the planet and is willing to kill anybody and doesn't really matter to him because everybody's beneath him, or somebody who's much more targeted, like Stormfront, who specifically will go out after people of color, 
kill them and watch the life drain out of their eyes because she enjoys killing them. Like, you know what I mean? Like Homelander will kill anybody that gets in his way, but he's not doing it out of a specific malice. He just doesn't care about them. Well, Whereas she specifically cares to kill people yeah. of color and look at them as they die. That's exactly. A, a different type of evil. There. And we know that with yeah. Homelander, it's a God complex that he has. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the thing. His, he has a God complex. She has a race complex yeah. effectively yeah. in her view of how she will view collateral damage or simply murdering people and so it's like she takes the opportunity that she has to murder people exactly cover it up as collateral damage and just coming on the homelander thing i did really like that moment um where he comes onto the roof and says i said he was mine and she just goes you snooze you lose gramps Mm -hmm. um and you see anthony Starr's face uh, as you know she is getting the accolades for taking down this super villain yeah. um in quotes uh, and stealing that limelight from homelander it really pisses him off yeah uh, you can see that in his face and i, I i'm really going to enjoy that dynamic because it might be just um the case where people root for homelander <laughs> that he is not selective about who he kills he just kills anyone yeah um he is the definition of being sociopathic, I suppose, yeah. uh, rather than racist sociopathic mm-hmm. in that sense. Exactly. But who knows? It's kind of a very... <laughs> they're both as bad as one another. <laughs> they're both really. evil, but which one's but, more evil? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think they'll do better the devil you know yeah. uh, as a kind of the, the, the remaining episodes. So the boys will have to kill Stormfront because they know Homelander. They know how to deal with him. They don't know how to deal with a crazy racist soup. Um, I am interested to see if they go full uh-huh. Nazi, which I get the feeling they're going to now, uh, just based on what happens in this. But I just thought it was really, really good. And also, it's giving the female huge motivation for this yeah. season. Yeah. Because not only, not only is there, like, you killed my brother, you tortured my brother, mm-hmm. you asphyxiated him while watching it. You broken his hands and mm-hmm. arms. Yeah. Then God, you, that was so gruesome. And you did to watch. it for racist yeah. reasons, yeah. and not like to bring him in because he was a soup villain kind of terrorist. I have to say, I loved Kabiko's angry face as she's kind of glaring at the TV with Stormfront on it, mm-hmm. and that the the glint of revenge in her eyes i cannot wait to see yeah. that yeah. Uh, the interesting thing i i thought about the battle between kamiko and stormfront as well was it felt how unpowered kamiko was against stormfront actually mm. um that was just kind of an observation from my, my side i i felt that you know is stormfront that much more powerful than than kamiko um and then the other thing is on stormfront is it just lightning bolts that she does, or can she summon the the wind or and all that kind of stuff? Is she like storm? Like storm? From I wonder because at the moment it just seems like it's lightning bolts. Yeah. In which case she's the emperor from Star Wars. She's <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. nothing to yeah. do with weather systems. Like, well, he he ran a universe, so uh, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> oh my um, goodness! As far as I remember, it was more just lightning, thunder. That type of thing. She's invulnerable, super strength, and lightning. Yeah. So she can do the clap uh, of thunder kind of thing as well. Yeah, it's just kind of like Hulk smash clap. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, cool. But I don't think they're going down that route. I think this is just that she is, she has like 
certain vulnerability, the power of flight, and can shoot lightning at her fingertips. Yeah. Uh, but now, when you get lightning at the fingertips, you get additional kind of auxiliary powers there as well, because essentially you are one massive conduit of energy. Mm, interesting. Um, interesting. So, yeah. but yes, on Kamiko being underpowered. Now, I think it was just more that they'll they'll say, "Well, she was taken like by surprise. She mm-hmm. didn't know what was happening," uh, and this will. But yes, Kamiko should be nigh invulnerable and. Uh, or at least as the same level, but she is super, super strong and vicious. Yeah. It's all going to lead up to this great fight between these two, I hope. Well, I think what you both mentioned as well, like, you know, the end of the episode is uh, Stormfront on TV getting all the accolades, Homelander on one side looking at her going, hang on a second, don't like that, and Kamiko <laughs> on the other side watching it on TV. So I think what they're teasing here, you'll talk about one of the other elements in the episode about this i think what they're te- teasing here is the team up between kamiko and homelander versus stormfront oh that would be where awesome they, they combine their powers effectively versus stormfront so uh take out as you say join the devil you know to take out the devil you don't who's much worse so yeah. that's what it felt like there we we uh, have those two characters both now have a reason to take down stormfront so uh homelander always uses whatever's around him to get what he wants done as well so maybe he'll be using kamiko to uh, to take out her or vice versa so that's what i thought on that yeah. part uh, so is that is that it for our, our, the point about stormfront from the it episode? really is it's because yeah. it's gonna it was sorry and i did not mean to go on for so long but it was kind of it, it's a big juicy bit but mm-hmm. speaking of big juicy bits john do you want to tell us your uh <laughs> oh oh matron i've never been introduced like that before on, on the podcast <laughs> uh breaking news everyone the herd of cats are absolutely out of the bag mm-hmm. with the reveal of compound v uh to the press in terms of not only its existence but also its use that superheroes are made in post-birth and not created Mm -hmm. so uh really really interesting i i I love this i love the start of ashley getting the text and sort of having this panic attack hilarious um i loved (laughs) edgar's calmness as everyone's flapping around him with uh everyone reporting about the stocks being sold off that they've stopped trading Mm -hmm. that uh, all the different connotations and he's calmly looking at the the next way to try and distract the um the 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 kitty that is the press with the laser pointer uh oh over here um look at this distraction let's go after the supervillain um and uh i i really liked all of that and i i like the little touches with um mave's dad being interviewed saying well we never got any money uh and then cut back to mave talking about how her dad was basically just this money whore for from for void and taking her to different uh different malls to do appearances and all of this three appearances in a day exactly get money to Um, go like it's just a nice little touch uh to see you know you you kind of do feel mave's story is becoming more tragic throughout Mm -hmm. the whole of these uh episodes uh, at the moment and um Certainly with all of this, you know, it, it's massive. It, it's starlized in Huey's plan coming together. Mm-hmm. You have that moment where as soon as it breaks, A-Train is there on Starlight saying, 
what did you do? Yeah. And her, again, just linking in uh, A-Train to her, you know, keep your enemies closer. Well, you're a part of it as well because you yeah. let me go. Um, yeah. And I think just the, I think the final thing on this for me in terms of this breaking news um, is Edgar coming to the 99th floor to see the seven and, yeah. and him kind of owning up that he doesn't come to the 99th floor that often or mm-hmm. not often enough. And, and Homelander, uh, his repost um, to Edgar uh, from episode one, where he goes up to Edgar's floor and is basically just slapped down. And you have Edgar being slapped down here by Homelander Absolutely. to say, look, we don't care about Vought, but we'll go off and do this. And if it's Vought that is controlling us at the end of the day, mm-hmm. so be it. But if it's someone else, who cares? Yeah. Really putting Edgar kind of back in his place. Absolutely. This uh, does feel like yeah. a Superman moment, doesn't it? Yes. It's, it's companies come and go, but heroes are here forever. Yeah, the exactly. Real talent is here really forever. Really good. Is, is the I line, isn't it? loved it. Yeah. Um, I, I have to say, like, looking around the reactions of the Seven as well to the news is really interesting, isn't it? Because obviously, you know, Starlight is aware of of uh, of the fact that they're created, she's been aware since season one. Homelander's aware of it as well. Maeve didn't know this information up until now because you see her reaction going. Well, clearly, my dad actually did know about it. Now that I think back on my life, I know what's happened. We have that lovely scene, really sad scene with uh, Black Noir on the floor, yeah, exactly. crying his eyes out uh, at the news as it's as it's playing on his phone. And then you have the Deep, who's been going through this recovery process for the last couple of episodes, sitting there going, "I'm go. I've been, you know." horrifically scarred by what's happened from uh, from what Vought did to me. I've had this problem for the many, many years where I can't uh, treat people, other people with respect because I have these gills in my body. And you're telling me now that this isn't something I was born with, that this is something that somebody else chose for me? You mean I don't have to be this way, you know? I really liked how they went around each of them and had their reactions to yeah, to the situation. Definitely. You know? and whereas, th- whereas A-Train's reaction is... Uh, don't mess with the money you know he's he's exactly. kind of going this could be it this could be the end of everything that i've built for myself you know and, and remember how hard he's been fighting to keep that all the way through season one and into exactly. season two now he will fight to keep this money and the life that he's attained for himself but and he's now taken it away from him so yeah. yeah i think the other thing just to build on the the deep thing that you said yeah. was um there is that really interesting moment and of course it'll probably get picked up in later episodes where you know, the Deep has sent forth sharks and Lucy the Whale to stop the boys, this entry back into the Seven, mm-hmm. as Carol is saying, you know, this is your chance. Um, and Homelander there, right at the end, says, you hold back here, because technically he's not part of the Seven yet. Mm-hmm. But he just says, and cover up your gills. They're disgusting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a great moment with the Deep just kind of, processing that um which i can't wait to to see to be honest um but anyway yeah that was just a little build there on how the deep kind of responds to it yeah exactly so i'm I'm gonna take it back one step and just talk about a train's reaction right yeah because what was interesting for me was the the riposte if you will, back to as he's just about to leave to Starlight, where he says, "You're that's you're saying that as someone with money, 
or someone yeah. who says yes. it came from who yeah. grew up who had it yeah uh when they were growing up so a lot of it seems stems and we we, we saw parts of this with his brother um from season one mm-hmm. but obviously they, they grew up poor like but we didn't get that full sense in season one that he grew up kind of without like too much it was just like he had to fight for what he wanted and yeah. now that he he he's a superstar he wants to keep it yeah but they really seem to be zeroing in on that yeah i think i think the background remember the the revelation as well as the compound v revelation that's on the news here is that their parents all knew about it and the parents all got paid for it and yeah. taken care of effectively so you know while annie doesn't seem to be from elite society she certainly grew up in the white picket fence type of home you know the way that uh, eric kripke has described a train in the show is effectively an elite athlete that because of the skills and abilities that he's had has pulled himself out of his environment effectively we see it a couple of times even in this episode we see the kind of gang of people that he hangs around with all of them drinking all the time all of them partying all the time on his money um so that's that's what we're seeing with the a train storyline really is that um is that he is someone that's come from a background where if he didn't have the powers that he has, he may have gone down a very different path is the way that, that they're kind of kind of dealing with his character in the show. We also learned that they were paid. The parents were paid for Parents this. were paid, yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it feels like absolutely he has more to lose than everybody else. And like the endorsement like. element of all of the seven mm-hmm. is really focused on A-Train. Like it's like he's milking everything that yeah. he can do. You know, running shoes jogging outfits and yeah. um, yeah. sports days leisure centers whatever mm-hmm. he will he will do it and he's happy to effectively um sell himself off to get this attention profile and get in the cash yeah yeah but i suppose that this will really play out over the next kind of couple of episodes and mm-hmm. be interesting to see yeah yeah i've got one last thing on this uh, on this moment that we have with with uh, edgar stanagher coming up to the seven and talking to them it's the fact that it's the seven and Homelander calls it out. Homelander leaves that office going, we're the seven, we're the superheroes that will save this, uh, save the country from the supervillain, right? He actually says the seven. I counted them. There's only six. So, yes, exactly. and he didn't know the deep was coming. He didn't know the deep got a oh, tip absolutely. off and came and arrived at them. Why is he still calling them the seven when they don't have a replacement for the deep? It's all about branding. It, yes, it is, it but is. why is it made is. the six? You know, or is he expecting somebody else to arrive to join them? Because it, it kind of goes, you know, we're off, you know, as the superhero unit, the seven. You know, if they were called the Justice League, then you keep using the title. But the seven is about the number of people that are that are behind you. You know, there's only five other people and home. Yeah, but it, it's it's in a it's a transition phase, so they're not suddenly going to call them the like they didn't go suddenly go and now with the four. Mm-hmm. Like you go, five, it's yeah. still the seven. Yeah. Okay, but I'm going to start calling us TV Podcast Industries Quartet. Just, <laughs> and literally, we never explained it. This uh-huh. is the episode where we're going to explain it. From now on, we are the TV Podcast Industries Quartet. <laughs> and just, that's it. Like, everyone will be like, well, where's the fourth? There Why is go. there no fourth? There you go. Inside joke. We do have a fourth. Their superpower is they can't speak on microphones. There you go. That's uh, it. <laughs> so I have to edit them out every week. <laughs> there you go. But I, I think that kind of wraps up this point yep. right john so let's move on to derek what is your point for this one 
I think I just need to talk about Homelander and Ryan uh, in this episode because yeah. I genuinely <laughs> found it hilarious. I probably shouldn't have. This poor kid is being abused by his uh, by his surrogate father um, that he's never seen before. But, you know, they, they have their breakfast, you know, and Homelander is so creepy with the uh, trying to make yeah. Becca, you know, serve him with pancakes and serve him with the right amount of maple syrup and stuff. You could see Becca's skin is crawling as he's asking for her to serve him like he's her wife, like she's his wife, you know? She's just like, get out of my house, you creepy, creepy man. And Ryan seems to be feeling like that. And then he has that moment where Homelander says, come outside and play. You could sit here and learn Spanish, or you could come outside <laughs> and, and play with me, basically. And his version of play is trying to teach Ryan how to fly. Um Poor Ryan. Uh, I was expecting him to need to go to hospital because uh, he's effectively just thrown off the roof. Um, I was, I kind of thought that's what he was going to go for. Homelander would actually throw him up in the air and expect him to fly. I'm glad he didn't because the quick push to Ryan uh, where he lands face first on the ground is probably enough uh, to encourage him not to want to try flying again. But it seems like the conviction from Homelander that you're my son, you must have the same superpowers as me seems to be kind of, it seems to be wrong. I know we do have the moment, which I'll talk about in a second, that Ryan does have superpowers, but his absolute conviction that the superpowers that his son has is the same as him seems really odd. It's probably just the overconfidence of, of, of Homelander. He's the most powerful of the superheroes, I think, is, is what we've learned over the course of yeah. of the last two seasons. Yeah, He's got the most powers of everybody. That's why he's the leader. But every other soup has had different powers to Homelander. So why is he so convinced that Ryan will definitely be able to fly? Like none of the rest of them can fly, as far as I remember. Maeve and Hull and Stormfront. No, Maeve can't fly. She was carried from the plane by Homelander oh, in yes. season one. Remember? So uh, Stormfront uses an ability that she has to hover, kind of thing. I think. Have we seen that at all? Well, no, yeah. we've seen her fly. So right, okay. So Stormfront is a new a new superhero who can fly as well, but nobody else can. So his con- his conviction that his son will have the exact same superpowers as him. Because this was supposed to be an impossibility of him being able to have a son as well. Yes, yes I thought exactly. the revelation was going to be, as I think I mentioned earlier on in the season, I thought the revelation was going to be this is actually Billy Butcher's son, or the uh, Vaught had done something here to uh, create this child, but it wasn't necessarily Homelanders. So, yeah. but I think this is tying in. You know, it's the counterpoint to the breaking news that the all, all Vaught superheroes are um, are made not created Mm -hmm. and born with the powers he's that exception to the rule and i suspect that homelander's just going well it's the genetics of it it's the hereditary passing of these superpowers and i mean i I think we saw the red eyes in at the end of episode one so i've never thought that he's not had powers and that he was going to be unpowered yeah it was just that what are the the suite of powers that he has yeah and i think i love seeing ryan lose his his thing here and get the red eye um and uh just you know shows there's his powers and it's mm-hmm. he, he's certainly got them and he's certainly going to use them <laughs> i hear chris <laughs> coughing for entry here chris wants to be told he got something right this season well done chris <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry i saw the in my throat uh, uh, uh. Come on! Congratulations, was, Chris. Chris did predict ca- that I, I there was going to be a moment a where there would be a standoff between uh, the characters between Homelander and his mom, and that Ryan would step up. So, yeah. yes, well done, Chris. You're absolutely right. Yeah, there's definitely a, a step up there. From I forgot about that. Sorry, Chris. That's why <laughs> there was kind of silence from my side. But yeah, I loved the standoff between yeah. uh, the two here. 
Um, it was really good because it, it does. It just puts Ryan in his own space. Absolutely. You know, he loves his mum. He's he's a, the, the quieter. He hasn't got the ego that uh, Homeland is trying to force on him mm-hmm. by by this daddy act that he's doing. I like the fact as well in the storm drain, he kind of really tries to lay it on thick with Billy about having pancakes with his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, as Billy then sends forth uh, and unleashes Kenji on him, uh, which was yeah. pretty cool as well. Cool um, I so, like that Kenji yeah. also took the opportunity to get away there as well. <laughs> it's quite good. Um, but I suppose my final point on this is if you're going to test your son to see if he has superpowers, why not give him a baseball and see if he can throw it really far in the air rather than throwing him off the roof of a house? <laughs> you know, that's a good way to, to kind of build up to your superpowers, maybe. Um, that's it on our antagonist moments. Let's get on to our final moment, the other moment, the outstanding moments from the episode. Chris, anything that was outstanding to you that we haven't talked about? Very, very quick one is the uh, Dawn of the Seven pitch. Yeah, sounded very like just, a Dawn of Justice, didn't it? Just almost slightly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't it? Um, because we are the seven. Mm-hmm. Um, Hans Zimmer. Uh, literally, it's just like I was like, "Oh, well done! You're slagging Zack Snyder in a very, very nice way." Do you know what I really liked about the pitch as well, Chris? What I love, I love that you picked this point. The one thing I really loved about the pitch is this is the pitch for the trailer for the upcoming movie. This isn't a pitch for a movie. This yeah. is a pitch for the trailer for the upcoming movie, which I just think is hilarious. <laughs> like, like, and we're gonna have Homelander come in, yeah. and then Maeve, and he's gonna slap the handcuffs on him, and it was mm-hmm. just like, oh, yeah. It, so look, uh, th- that was really it. It was just good, mm-hmm. fashioned, good old fashioned kind of ribbing of superhero culture, superhero films, the overall corporacy of it. And as you said, it was a. This is not the the pitch of the film. This is the pitch for the trailer of yeah. the film, which they haven't even filmed yet. Yeah, exactly. And I love that it cuts to Stormfront, and she's got the. 500 page scripts and there's notes on every single page yeah. you can mm, see she's like definitely. this is absolutely crap let's just take it back to the bones and start it again her response to him going well the way you write female characters is either a hitchcock unattainable woman or a or a michael bay type transformers woman you know uh you need to write characters that are realistic and he goes uh, well excuse me i have sisters <laughs> as if that yeah, justifies how badly he writes women you know? <laughs> really that was it it's like but I, oh that was the one. That was the line that got me because that's the go-to. Well, I, I have, I have yeah. a, a gay friend. Mm-hmm. Um, my best friend's gay, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh no, no, no! <laughs> you don't say that. That's not an excuse. Anyway. Tell, if, if a woman is telling you you're writing for a woman is bad, then you probably should listen to them rather than try to try to defend yourself. But but yeah. it's interesting that they're still trying to make Stormfront a good person mm-hmm. at that point in the episode, and then it's just towards the end that you're like, oh no. Um, but anyway, that was my kind of outstanding just moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, what was for yourself? Um, it was just the scene between uh, Queen Maeve and Homelander um, at the the Vault Tower, um, yeah. like with the phone call that she's having with Elena. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just so tense and intimidating, and I literally thought he was going to kind of break her, crush her hand, break her wrists in that moment that he could sense that she was lying Um, and ultimately saved by the breaking news because up until this point, Homelander has been with Becca and and Ryan Mm -hmm. and he doesn't know of the breaking news. And so it's just how great um, 
Homelander, you know, his insertion into a scene immediately for me just tenses the whole thing up. And certainly when he's so calm and casual and... Um, Oh, yeah. oh, why have I never heard of her? Who's who's Elena? Um, and you know, Maeve's having to kind of just think on her feet here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so good. And it that that's my my big point. It's just really great little scene between the two, which is tense and really intimidating yeah. from Homelander. And I did I thought there was going to be more violence um, from Homelander here. Yeah, I think I think the biggest most threatening thing that Homelander can say is. You're my only friend. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like that's not a good thing, <laughs> and you can't have any other friends either. Yeah, it's, it feels you're right. Really tense, really intimidating. Really good moment. And for my one, I just want to call out uh, A Train uh, once again in this episode. It's really being highlighted. He's not on a good path. Um, we see him uh, with his friends partying till the middle of the daytime, and as he walks out of the nightclub, and it's still it's bright outside. Uh, we see the heart problem starting to come back effectively. Uh, at the end of season one, A-Train taken off the hospital because he had uh, effectively collapsed from the use of his powers. Uh, we see it here in that scene, and we also see it when he's supposed to be running into the tunnels to find uh, the boys when they're when the Seven are chasing them down. They're using his power to run through the tunnels to go and find the Seven, and he has to stop after a couple of minutes because his heart problems are coming back. So... Um, so that's interesting. Wondering what's going to happen with that. We we also see Homelander recognizes as well. Yeah, A-Train says to him, oh, I'm fine. Just give me a second. And Homelander responds with, oh, of course you are. Uh, yeah. Very knowingly there. So uh, so intrigued to see what will happen with A-Train in the future. And it's definitely something that they were underlining here. Yeah. And also in the sun drain as well, just I think to call out, um, you know, the big choice that Starlight has to do with Huey, mm-hmm. where Homelander is kill him. Um, because he comes to he comes to that that moment where the two of them are there and he goes, You two again um and you know, the tweak of doubt that maybe she's still um got some feelings towards Huey and ultimately goes, Let me make this easier for you. Either you kill him or I kill you both. Exactly. Um yeah. and that's and then you get Billy Butcher just stepping up. Uh, to help Huey. Uh, you know, you see that kind of look between them as he unleashes uh, Kenji on him. So again, just a- another moment there because right at the end as well where he's got those doubts at the big press conference mm-hmm. over um, Stormfront taking all the limelight, he is also, he's looking at Starlight kind of, don't trust you now. Um, yeah. But it's seemingly yeah. he's not going to trust anyone in the Seven because you've got Stormfront taking the limelight, that conversation with Queen Maeve. Mm-hmm. He knows about A-Train's heart problems. The doubts have come back on Starlight. Effectively, I think, at this moment in time, the only person he may have no doubts about is Black Noir. Yeah. Um, and that might be an interesting thing that they develop Absolutely. within uh, this season as well. All of this in an episode where he tells Stan Edgar... Vault doesn't matter. We're the seven, and tells them all, "You're my friends. You're my family." Yeah. Effectively, yeah. and then by the end of the episode, that all seems to be, uh, yeah, falling apart a bit. So, yeah, very cool. Definitely, that's it for our big moments for the episode. Uh, big episode uh, with this, with this third one. Lots of stuff kind of coming to a head. Uh, again, understandable why this is the big cliffhanger they want to leave you with to get you to come back for next week's episode. Uh, any notes we haven't talked about uh, at all, guys? 
Uh, the one I want to quickly call out, you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, is if you are watching this on uh, your uh, laptop, if you're watching it on your TV, uh, The Boys is imbued with X-Ray, the feature. Mm-hmm. We yep. bring it up every season uh, and most episodes. They have some great trivia in there. Usually it's uh, it's stuff that we'll actually mention anyway. But as you're watching, as you're listening, uh, make sure you just pop in. Uh, do it. Always do it after the fact. Uh, so yeah. it's usually just good. so like watch the full episode, then jump into X Ray and have a look. Um, but it's it's good fun. Yeah, definitely, definitely some good some good uh, things in there. Uh, I noticed this episode was definitely sponsored by um, Budweiser because um, <laughs> we had um, Kenji wearing a t shirt with Spuds McKenzie on the front of it, who used to be the yeah. uh, Bud Light mascot uh, when we were a lot younger, wondering what Bud Light tasted like. <laughs> I remember the mascot being Spuds McKenzie. Um, the also the advert that Mallory was looking at. Um, that had the old soup on it uh, that she calls out, which we'll possibly talk about in a second. Um, that was an old Budweiser print ad as well. So, uh, so Budweiser definitely sponsoring uh, Amazon Prime this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, if that's it for notes, anybody else have any? No, nothing else, nothing else. Uh, will we pop over to Chris's corner for the question then? Uh, Mallory sure. asks Billy, um, does he know an old soup called Liberty? So I'll ask the same question to you, Chris, for Chris's corner. Do you know an old soup called Liberty at all? No. <laughs> I'm going to jump in and go, no. Um, <laughs> so I, I dive back in. There's a couple of hundred issues in, in this uh, this series called The Boys. And I was like, am I forgetting something? As, is this one of the passerbys? Um, so looking at the age of the ad, and like we're calling, okay, this is, looks like World War II era kind of ad around then. So what I have a feeling is Liberty is going to have been one of the invaders, uh, or basically was a hero around the time of World War II, one mm. of the, the explosion of the first heroes. Um, now, there are a few other things. Um, if you look at the costume, there's some striking similarities to Stormfront's current piece. Okay. Um, we do know that Stormfront in the comic books was a Nazi in in World War Two, mm-hmm. and because of Compound V, they age differently sometimes, right? Uh, or a lot of the time. So he is the same. He looks exactly the same from uh, World War Two when he does in the current time of the nineties of the boys, right? Uh, in the comic books. Yeah. So it's the same Stormfront. So potentially, the fact they talked about Vought bringing doing his initial experiments back in uh, World War Two, maybe Stormfront is actually one of the first test subjects. Okay, she's just continued, so it explains why she's a Nazi. She like she she, she came over with Vought. Maybe she is um, just the the uh, the product of she is Vought is still doing all the stuff. Yeah, um, maybe. She is uh, the. We know that um, Homelander maybe isn't the first one to give birth. Mm, maybe to, to successfully. So maybe Liberty was a soup from back in the day, and um, she was secretly a Nazi. Came over because there's a lot of Nazis that came over and became part of um, the soup kind of infrastructure that is Vought. Mm-hmm. So maybe Liberty was one of them, and. Stormfront is the daughter of Liberty. Right, right. But nothing concrete from the comic books that we know right now based on that particular 
uh, piece ah, that Mallory was saying. Like that. No, right. So possibly in the show, it's that uh, it's that someone that is giving information to Mallory potentially from the show, but nothing specific from the comic books. Okay, exactly. the The closest is going to be Lamplighter, but Lamplighter is not to uh, till season three. So that would be it. There, there is something a very similar ad in the comic books that looks that uses the character Lamplighter. Oh, okay, already. so. Anyway, but that is Chris's Kerner. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you want me to deep dive into any particular questions, remember to email us at feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com and I will jump in and I will give it in the following episodes. Excellent, excellent. Hopefully there'll be more Chris's Kerner next episode. Thanks for that. Um, guys, let's just close out uh, our overall thoughts on the episode, um, on episode three of season two. Uh, what did you think? Um, for me, it's a complicit skull. It made me really want to come back for episode four. <laughs> That's exactly what it needs to do. So much cool stuff in this episode. The, uh, the boat through a whale is not uh, something I'll ever forget <laughs> uh, from an episode, but loads of other great stuff in here as well. So yeah, delighted to go back uh, to episode four next week. Um, John, what do you think? Yeah, loved it. Um, I give this four and a half uh, Lucy sushi rolls out of five. Um, yeah. yeah, it was really good. I, I do feel... Yeah, a boat uh, through a whale is fairly epic. I mean, it certainly is a few sizes up from the the dolphin accident in so season one. I don't hang out with the deep if you're a fish. Exactly. I I loved everything about this episode. Um, Homelander with the family, Homelander with Maeve, Homelander with Stormfront. The reveal of Stormfront just to be an evil bitch um is like oh okay because i was really kind of liking her directness and so all of a sudden she's just this psycho and um and huey and billy's relationship i think is really great i like the antagonism between the two but i like that there is that seed of hope with billy protecting him uh, from starlight's forced execution of him at the hands of homelander i suppose because i mean she certainly did strike up a light as well in that moment so uh billy came to the rescue so maybe there's a little way back to them uh being the best of friends again uh let's see how how that works out um chris what did you think of episode three i loved it uh I, i'm right there with derek in terms of it straight away did exactly what it wanted it to. In other words, I was like, why isn't it next Friday? <laughs> I want episode four now. Um, so yeah, it, it worked fantastically and that's really all I can say about it. I, I, I want to know more. I want to watch each episode and I'm glad we'll be waiting a week because we can really digest it. But yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. Um, I think it's about time we go for a pint, boys. Yes, I think I need a pint uh, mm-hmm. after this. Welcome, fellow boys and girls, to the Boys Pub Quiz. Um, these are questions about each episode uh, throughout uh, our discussion of this series. If you know the answer, you have the answer, uh, you go back and rewatch the episode to find the answer, please um, send it on in to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can also just send your rake of answers in in one go if you so wish, Mm -hmm. whichever way is best for you. And of course, this will ultimately lead to a scale model of a boat inserted into a whale as one (laughs) of the grand prizes. No, no, we haven't actually decided yet and we need to very quickly um, by uh, episode four so that we can 
provide our fellow boys and girls with the prizes for this pub quiz and the questions absolutely everybody searching the internet looking for uh, the boys items that we can send out as, as goodies for the show right get looking <laughs> john what's the question for this episode yeah the question is what is the name of the boat that the boys are on nice yes what is the name of the boat that the boys are on mm-hmm. Answers on the electronic postcard uh, through our email, and yeah, you will be in with a chance of winning some goodies, some boys' goodies. Mm -hmm. The boys owned by a friend. Well, a stranger. A stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. (laughs) Absolutely great (laughs) line. So good. Love it. Love it. Let's get out to some feedback. We got some feedback in since the episodes released yesterday uh, on Amazon Prime. We got some feedback in from our awesome boys and girls. Uh, First up, a voicemail about episode one from Steve Brown. Hey guys, it's Steve, and this is for the first episode of The Boys Season 2. Um, wow, so much packed into this one episode. That was uh, that opening scene with Black Noir and, and seeing him fight and then seeing kind of his powers, I guess, of healing that he has that even survived that nuclear blast and then killed the the, the soup terrorist and he takes the head to uh, Translucent's uh, kid and shows it to him with the bunny. I was just, oh my goodness, this show has just started right back uh, where it was. And uh, it's uh, it's nice to see that we don't have to <laughs> guess about Homelander. Because we didn't, it didn't take us long in the first season to figure out that Homelander wasn't uh, wasn't a, a nice guy, but uh, to see that he still kept keeping up his uh, being a jerk uh, sort of shenanigans is is good to see, and uh, that whole scene with Blind Spot and uh, and stuff. But uh, um, yeah, just uh, so much good stuff. Sad to see uh, Rainer go, and uh, it's kind of sad to see that uh, Huey and and Annie are not together. But I think maybe. By the end of the season, maybe they'll be back together. I don't know. We'll see. It seems like there still might be a little spark there between them. And do you think there's something with Giancarlo Esposito's character that he has some sort of hold over Homelander? Because it, it really seemed like like Homelander would have done something uh, to him or, or, or would have at least threatened him uh, like physically or or with his powers and he didn't. So um, I'm going to watch episode two here in a little bit and I'll send a voicemail for that one. Uh, talk to you later. Thanks so much, Steve. Uh, yeah, it's the, the boys is like a well-worn glove, isn't it? It's fits snugly back on. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we end up being right back where we left off from season one with uh, yeah. Homelander being Homelander uh, just what he brings and agrees i love that scene in the first uh episode between homelander and edgar and you are you're, you're just kind of thinking why is he holding back you you know that this guy doesn't hold back i mean he is smart as well i mean yeah. he, he won't just he will kill out of sight you know he will he will have the excuse yeah um and a bit like as we see with stormfront in this episode killing every uh, person in the tenement block uh, just simply because she's chasing the supervillain it's collateral damage the true intention yeah. is it, it is lost so Secured. yes i think uh yeah I, I i thought the same thing and i i think you know maybe we see a bit of an unraveling of that in episode three uh given the breaking news about vort and compound v so mm-hmm. yeah really uh good feedback thanks so much steve 
Yes, thank you so much, Steve. I uh, appreciate it, as always. Um, in terms of the hold, yeah, uh, I, I think we'll see you see more and more as we kind of go on, especially now in episode three. Um, I do get the feeling that um, Edgar will, there will be some additional element of Edgar that we've yet to see. Um, that there, he he is. Ident- he's not going to be a soup, no. but he's going to be um, the the evil corporate entity, if you will. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so he, there will be something there. Yeah, he has he has the protection of being head of the company uh, yeah. <laughs> on his side. He's massively confident, as we've seen. So, uh, yeah, really interesting character. Great to see him on the show as well. Uh, thanks, Steve. Uh, I know you'll be back for the uh, voicemail of an episode two in a moment. Um, also on episode one over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. Salim Kislar has posted his thoughts about episode one. He says the two bloody moments stick out to me most. What Homelander did to Blindspot and what happened to Rainer were diabolical. Wow. Though I'm not sure exactly what happened to Rainer. If it was a sudden exploding bullet in the head, why did her nose start bleeding? Did someone plant a bomb in her a la Suicide Squad? I hope this is explained in future episodes. I like Homelander forcing this issue with Vought on things he doesn't agree with. There's a great continuation of his conversation with Maeve from last year about why they listen to suits. And his pushing of the supervillain term is hilarious. I also enjoyed the bit with Gecko. Love the third and fourth tier super characters this show mixes in with the likes of Mesmer from season one. I'm looking forward to what's next and listening to the episode one podcast. Thanks so much, Salim. Great to have you back with us. Yeah, thanks, Liam. Uh, really good to get your thoughts uh, on that. I I need to now go back because I'm I can't remember that conversation you mentioned with oh, yeah. with Maeve uh, from Homelander about why they listen to suits. Because yeah, that may explain, of course, why Homelander doesn't just laser uh, Edgar into a melted human candle. <laughs> On the death of Rainer, yeah, we haven't uh, got any more detail about how the death happened. I thought it was that in this episode that uh, Kenji's power effectively, that they've tracked him down and that they've said he's the supervillain. So maybe he's the one that used his power to crush her head and that's why she her nose bled. But uh, that's not there on the screen. We might see that uh, in a future episode. So lots more stuff to uh, to learn about Rainer. Thanks so much for your feedback, Celine. Yes, thank you so much, Celine. Uh, we also got some feedback from Dr. Bob Phillips, who's had this to say. Ah, I'd forgotten how much blood and sex and downright self-centered misogyny was wrapped up in the evil of the seven. Mm-hmm. Brilliant reintroduction. My soup moment. Can't decide if it's the clap to deaf and blind spot or the bottle of milk oh, no. or the sweetness of a tube train or the downright dripping misery of a fresca hangover or catching the half pint of your lifeblood in your own pint glass. The boys moment has to be Harry Potter. How better can you capture the essence of little Huey? Cute, nerdy, intense, and completely one jump sideways of cool. (laughs) I'm going to say one leap. One massive leap. Just a uh, little jump. Just a little. Anybody else, he'd be cool. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Bob. Uh, Yeah. Always great to have your feedback, and I'm going to go, yeah, Harry Potter, I completely forgot. He is, Katniss. yeah. It was interesting, because he, he makes the joke about the Katniss from Hunger Games, mm-hmm. and obviously uh, he was in the Hunger Games, the first uh, the first film. That's right, yeah, I completely forgot about yeah. him in there. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've completely forgotten about all those films. Exactly. Me three. Except for Stanley Tucci as the kind of host of the 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 show of Mm. the the Hunger Games. Um, I he was so over the top and colourful. I thought he was awesome. (laughs) Um, certainly in his pronunciation of. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah very Lovely. good. <laughs> that is a uh, another path that we've gone down in these episodes. Uh, let's get on to some more feedback. Steve Bran sent in his feedback on episode two. Hello again, TV Podcast Industries. This is Steve. This is for episode two of season two of The Boys. I was like, wait, what was that? I just watched it. This is a great episode for uh, for the female. I mean, we, we learn a little bit more about her. We see her... You know, obviously, she recognized her brother right away in that when she saw that video and was trying to communicate that to uh, to Frenchie and uh, just absolutely loved uh, that whole what we got to see from from her and then her realization that her brother was, uh, you know, whether he was brainwashed by this shining path, shining light, whatever they're they're called or or what? So it's going to be interesting to see how this this turns out. Is she's going to um, be okay with giving her brother over to Mallory? Is was the deal struck with Mallory real? We'll see. And uh, of course, the the future going forward with Huey. I was glad that he got in the van there at the end. I was a little worried that he was just going to walk away because he really has nowhere to go. We don't know what's happening with his father. You know, Starlight seems to have. Uh, either rejected him or definitely doesn't want to be with him right now. Uh, but I did, uh, and that was another, I, I'm really questioning this Stormfront. I don't know, there's something about just her whole persona and the fact that she's so anti-Vought and Vought is letting her be anti-Vought that has me a little bit hesitant to believe to believe it. So, um also, and the deep, I swear, I couldn't, didn't get a chance to watch the credits, and I, I looked on IMDb, but I could not find it. I swear that sounded like Patton Oswalt's voice for the gills, I, I, but I couldn't find any confirmation on that. So, all right, uh, I'm about to watch episode three. Talk to you later. Excellent, Steve. Yeah, uh, thanks so much for the feedback. Yes, thank you so much, Steve. And that was 100% patent. He even confirmed it yesterday. Um, because if it was not him, I would have eaten my own toe, uh, because I know his voice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think his, his uh, quote on Twitter he put out, I have recorded the most messed up moment of my career. <laughs> I think I can say it definitively now uh, after the episode's released. So definitely Pat Oswalt, yeah. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve, uh, really, for the feedback. Yeah, there really was really touching moments there with uh, with Kamiko and her brother in episode two. It was really nice to have those moments between the two of them where we actually have her having a full conversation with somebody else uh, in that episode. I thought it was really well really well put together just to kind of give a bit more of her character, uh, not just the violent female from season one. Definitely. You know, a bit more of what she would have been like with her brother. I love the relationship between the two of them where both of them are saying, well, I saved you this time and you saved me that time. There's like this kind of dependency between the two. So I wonder after episode three how far that's going to push Kamiko over the edge yeah absolutely um we also have some feedback on episode two from salim uh a and he says i love stormfront mm. the boys need to find a way to rein billy in 
when he gets that tunnel vision, he's a danger to everyone. Mm-hmm. Interesting game of mutually assured destruction between A Train and Starlight. Yeah, yeah definitely. Absolutely. If with, I'm going down, you're going down. Yeah, no, and, if I'm going down, you're going down. <laughs> and certainly with hints of skin being peeled off uh, the. Mm. The screaming, wriggling body uh, by Homelander. Yeah. And certainly, I'm really interested, Salim, to see uh, your thoughts on Stormfront from episode three. Uh, so please keep the feedback coming in. It's great to get these discussion points uh, for sure. Definitely. I wonder what you think of, of, of Stormfront now. Yeah. Exactly. Um, she's still a great character because it is that amazing thing of being lulled in. Uh, it's all, as Steve said as well, about she's so anti-vort or so challenging to vort and and they're kind of allowing it and like as Salim says that's what you like about her from episode two uh, she says what she thinks um, and then we see her obviously in this episode doing what she thinks which is horrific yeah so um yeah Really good stuff. Uh, Also on the Facebook group uh, for TV Podcast Industries, Bob Phillips says, Soup moment, the seven are falling apart. Is the rule of laser edge steel going to end as addicts? Revolutionaries, anarchists, and closet-busting heroes ripped the finely woathing cloth of PR aside. Mm. Yes, interesting. Mm. And for the boys moment... Butcher finally cracks and opens up his soft, loving heart. He's a bulldog puppy who's got a tough exterior and a rough approach to life, biting while barking, but now we know he just wants his tummy tickling. Uh, (laughs) Indeed. And plus, Kimiko, her sign language isn't BSL or ASL Mm. or even French, which is more what I'd be thinking in the Vietnam area. That was where they were brought up after kidnap wasn't it I think so. uh what is it yeah interesting stuff there bob for sure um because i remember vietnam and uh, around kimiko and her brother mm-hmm. and her backstory but also in this episode and i think in the previous episode with uh, kimiko and kenji coming together there's the talk that they're from japan as well so um yeah i it's it's a little hard to know i think yeah. maybe they were in vietnam they were brought there by the terrorist organization yeah. Yeah. after yeah, killing their their family uh, in in Japan. Absolutely. So this episode confirms that it's almost a it's a made up uh, language between Kenji and a brother mm-hmm. that only they can understand. Yeah. Um, so a bit like Esperanto. Yeah, like well done for noticing. I'm sure that was uh, in the in the showmakers. Uh, minds when they were putting this together to make sure that it didn't look like British Sign Language or American Sign Language, that it did look different, or even French Sign Language, as you say, that it looked different from any other languages that people could recognize. And I love that they call it out. You know, it's it's really smart to go, if you know Sign Language and you know these people aren't speaking Sign Language, here's the reason behind that. This is a secret language between the two of them. Yeah, really yeah. good. And, of course, uh, Bob Phillip finishes on his momentous moment, which is Pippi Longstocking Without a doubt. Yes. <laughs> by the D, yep. This is kind of like the American version of Felicity the Pony Rider, I suppose, uh, from the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, posh girl Felicity on a pony, yep. Yep. bobbing around, um, doing all things horsey-warsey, that kind of stuff. No, Pippi Lobstock is very different to that. No, it sounds like it, though, it in my mind, anyway. <laughs> we'll have to get you one of the books, John. 
I don't think it's as explicit as Stormfront makes out. I don't think there's any uh, any of those kind of things that actually happen in the books themselves. They are kids' books, after all. <laughs> uh, but we might have to get you one so you can understand who Pippi Longstocking is, because you looked about as blank as uh, as Starlight did when she mentioned Pippi Longstocking. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much for that, Bob. Our final piece of feedback is Steve Brown. He got in with the episode three voicemail just in time for us to record. All right. Uh, wow. It's Steve again. This is for episode three. Um, gosh, another good one. This uh, season is starting out great. I'm in, I'm enjoying it anyway. It's, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know where to start that uh, Stormfront seeing her powers at work for real and realizing that she's I don't know if she's worse than Homelander, but she's definitely up there with uh, the bad superhero kind of thing. I mean, how many people did she kill in that building? I'm not, I'm still not sure. Um, and just that, I just loved that way the female was staring at her on the TV screen. So we know these two are going to have another, another fight, another, there's going to be another moment coming up. And it seems that Huey and Butcher have kind of, uh, reconciled. We'll see how that, uh, how that is going forward. And, uh, um, Gosh, it's just, uh, it was interesting to see the different reactions by the heroes when they found out about Compound V. We see Black Noir kind of just crying to himself uh, alone in a hallway. Uh, the Deep kind of uh, admitting that uh, that he, re- he he didn't realize he wasn't born that way. And, and then Maeve, and we see Maeve's dad and, and uh, all about what kind of her childhood was like and realizing that everybody's realizing that their parents really just kind of set them up to be this, this way. And, um, you know, we keep getting the little snippets of Maeve and Elena. So I hope they end up together by the end of the season, but we'll see what happens, whether Homelander figures that one out or not. Okay. I uh, can't wait to listen to the podcasts. Talk to you later. Thanks so much, Steve. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I really want Maeve and Elena to get together at the end, but I think it will need to have the removal of Homelander from that situation because he doesn't seem like he's going to accept her having any kind of friends at all, let alone a girlfriend. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so at all. Um, as as we talked about that scene where they're talking, um, you literally for the whole thing, you're just like he's going to he's going to laser her right. Yeah, he's going to break definitely. her finger. He's going to no no no. Oh, nothing happened. Okay. Yeah. Uh, something, um, something. Uh, breaking news! Breaking news! <laughs> so she yeah. needs to keep releasing stuff to the press every time that she walks into a room. Exactly, <laughs> and I, I think as well, Steve, with what Bob was saying, um, from the the last bit of feedback from episode two, you know, the 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 seven are falling apart. The, there's fractures in in this, um, mm-hmm. even though the rallying cry by Homelander has been we're family um you know this guy desperately needs a family um and seemingly on both fronts whether it's with becky and ryan and with the seven um his expectation isn't going to match up with reality Mm -hmm. uh, at all in this so yeah Yeah. thanks for the feedback steve because that's true because he's never had a family at all he never had parents at at all he killed all the people that were trying to take care of him when he was growing up uh, in the in the labs effectively so he's never seen what a real family looks like and he's calling all these people around him a family and it's not working out for him the way he expects i suppose yeah Yeah, and and for all the evilness of homelander and his god complex I do actually think it's genuinely tragic um, mm. backstory for him yeah. that feels like it is a genuine motivator of 
some of the things that he does. He just can't control what he does. Yeah. He, he can't do it in a sensitive kind of normal way. It's always over the top because he's Homelander. He's exactly. a god. Um, he can't relate. He's got no social skills, really. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much again for the voicemail, Steve. Thanks to everybody for sending your feedback. If you want to send in any feedback to us, just email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, we are also putting spoiler posts up on the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. Join us over there, fill in your thoughts about each of the episodes, and we'll talk about them on our next podcast. That's it for our third episode of Season 2 of The Boys. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com and subscribe if you haven't to make sure that you don't miss every episode as we release it going forward. So don't forget, every Friday they'll be releasing a new episode and we'll be recording it as soon as possible after and releasing it over the weekend. Fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. You can also go on over and leave us a review on Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or anywhere that you listen to us, be it VOD controlled or boys pushed, uh, propaganda owned podcast catcher. Don't forget you can also share the love by sharing the podcast and head on over to patreon.com slash TV podcast industries mm-hmm. and help us keep the lights on by keeping my computer filled with energy. <laughs> Excellent. We'll Chris. Be back. Excellent. Yeah. There's a really weird thing going on with Apple podcasts and with all the podcast catchers at the moment where I'm releasing episodes and they're coming out significantly later, like 14, 15 hours after we put out the episode, it suddenly appears in podcast players. So the only way I've, I've seen a way around it is I'm putting the episodes up on Patreon immediately and everybody's able to get them as soon as I release them. So uh, if you want to support us over on Patreon, you'll be able to get access to a feed that has the episodes as soon as we release them uh, over there. Thanks to our supporters over on Patreon. Uh, but just wanted to say that because it's just, it's just something I can't seem to f- seem to solve. The episodes are coming out significantly after I expect them to be there. So sorry about that, but that's the only, uh, only workaround I've been able to find. Yes, so think of $1 as early access. There you go. That's one way of thinking about it. (laughs) But, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you so much for having us. We'll be back with our chat about The Boys, Season 2, Episode 4, Nothing Like It in the World, Mm -hmm. next week. We'll speak to you again soon. Signing off, Chris. Bye. Talk to you next time. Yeah, thanks so much, fellow boys and girls, for joining us. Uh, Keep up the discussions with uh, the boys over on TV Podcast Industries. It's great chatting with you. And remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep fishing. (laughs) Bye. Spear fishing? Boat fishing. With (laughs) a boat, an actual boat. No (laughs) rods needed. You just ram into marine life. Oh, God. Awful, awful. Poor Deep. This really hurts. I know. Poor Lucy. R.I.P. Lucy. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. See you next time. Bye. 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 Anyone for a tuna melt?